Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Adomni. Adomni, increase your revenue today by listing your digital billboard on Adomni. Today's podcast guest is Bill May, the retired executive director and general counsel of the Missouri Outdoor Advertising Association. Welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you, Dave. Bill, talk about your career. You had quite a quite a long career in out-of-home, but talk about your career, how you got into out-of-home, and how you ended up at the Missouri Out-of-Home Advertising Association. <laughs> well, when I was a freshman in college, I saw an ad for an outdoor company that was wanting someone to run a brush hog. As you know, <laughs> that's that's something that all outdoor companies need. Yes. I was a country kid. I, I had spent a lot of time on a tractor. I could take them apart and put them back together, and they hired me, and I spent that summer driving around with a flatbed truck and a trailer, brush hogging around signs. When the summer was over, they wanted me to stay, and they offered me, at first I started working on a construction crew, and eventually they made me a bill poster. I worked for, the company was called Pioneer Outdoor. They were subsequently purchased by Lamar many years later. But I worked for them all all through college. And when I left to go to law school, they, as soon as they knew I was about done with law school, they started contacting me and writing and calling and trying to get me to come back. And eventually, they, they offered me a position as vice president and general counsel. And I went back to work for them. Hmm. And I worked for Pioneer in that capacity for about nine years before I went into private practice representing outdoor advertising companies. It's it's what I knew, and a lot of other companies were jealous of Pioneer because I worked for them, and eventually I wound up representing primarily outdoor advertising companies in my law practice. It got to the point where they wanted me to represent the association as a whole. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I had served as their general counsel for many years. It got to the point where they decided they wanted me to also serve as their executive director. And I did that for about 30 years. Wow. Now, what happened in 2000? Well, we had one of the reasons I helped start up the association is that the anti-billboard group Scenic Missouri and Scenic America had been trying to ban billboards legislatively in Missouri. We were able to, year after year, kill their legislation. They were never able to get their bills out of committee, even out to the floor. After about, oh, I'm going to say eight or ten years of them filing bills and getting nowhere, they decided to try an initiative petition to do it that way and bypass the legislature. In 2000, they were able to gather enough signatures to get it on the ballot. It was called Prop A, and what it would have done was ban any new billboards, make all existing signs in Missouri non-conforming, and it changed the state outdoor advertising law so that the primary emphasis was removal of non-conforming signs. So they made everything non-conforming and put in language that was designed to force MoDOT to condemn and remove all these existing signs that were non-conforming then. Now, Bill, would this have impacted 
all billboards or just billboards along primary highways or state highways? Basically, the only thing that MoDOT regulates, as you know, are billboards that are on primaries and interstates, and that's what it would have done. But, but of course, that's where 99% of the billboards were. I mean, there, there were some in cities maybe that were on what wasn't a primary, but by far most outdoor advertising in Missouri was on primaries and interstates. Now, Prop A also had some vegetation provisions, didn't it? They did not want us cutting vegetation. We had been able to pass legislation in in the legislature that allowed us to cut vegetation on the right-of-way that grew up to obscure a legally erected billboard, and they didn't like that at all, and they wanted to stop us from doing that. And, Bill, to me, if you want to destroy the out-of-home industry in the South or the Midwest, all you say is you can't ever cut trees because trees and vegetation grows fast, and it'll obscure it'll obscure signs. So if you can't ever trim, that's just another—it's a backhanded way of amortizing billboards. That's correct. We also— actually had situations where MoDOT was planting trees and vegetation on the right-of-way that, that, that was growing up to block, you know, legally erected billboards a lot like they did in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that Scenic America and Scenic Missouri were heavily involved. Were there any other groups behind the effort? Not really. There were local garden clubs that, you know, that were involved in it, but Primarily, it was a Scenic Missouri and a Scenic America proposal. They felt like if they could pass something like this, an initiative petition in Missouri, they could probably do it anywhere. And that was exactly their plan. We were the first that they started with. But we knew, and, and people like OAAA were well aware that this was just a start. And if they were successful, it's something they could expect to happen nationally. Now, so they came up with this proposition They got the requisite signatures. What happened then? Once we knew that it was on the ballot, that is something that we were going to have to deal with, we commissioned a poll and, you know, to our horror, found out that we were, you know, 72 percent of the people supported it. Only 28 percent were opposed to it. Wow. That was quite discouraging, but we formed a campaign committee to receive and and spend campaign contributions. All of our members pledged 5% of their prior year's revenue mm-hmm. to our campaign. Which is a lot of money, but if the alternative is to go out of business, it's a good investment. I tell you, that's exactly right. And frankly, all of our members understood if this were to pass, it was the end. I mean, it was just the beginning of the end and that they eventually would be out of business. Right. When you're in the outdoor when you're in the outdoor industry and you can't replace inventory you lose. And at the same time, MODOT is spending money to condemn and remove existing signs, pretty soon you're gonna be out of business. And our people did understand this was really a fight for survival in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break here for a word from our sponsor. Adomni's buying platform enables advertisers and agencies to easily find and buy your unsold billboard space. With Audience IQ technology, advertisers can target consumer profiles, such as demographics, behavior, and interest, that travel past your billboards. Join the fastest-growing out-of-home network alongside over 200,000 digital screens. Whether you have a Formetco, Watchfire, Dectronics, or PrismView billboard, Adomni is easy to connect. 
Visit Adomni.com or email sales at Adomni.com to learn more. Out of home, in your hands. Bill, what arguments did you use or, or what was the campaign? What was the strategy that you used to try and defend the out-of-home industry? Well, I, I'll tell you, Dave, I, I sat down and made a list of what I thought were the 10 best arguments against the Prop A initiative petition. Hmm. And then we had a series of focus groups where we tested those arguments to see which ones had the most influence on voters. The things that our people thought might be the most effective weren't necessarily what we found moved the average voter. Hmm. What were the winning arguments? One of the things that we did is we, we hired an economist who is a professor at the University of Missouri to do an economic impact study. And we found out, I mean, his study came back that this, this proposition, if it passed, would have a negative economic impact in Missouri of over $600 million. That included what MoDOT would be spending to remove billboards as well as the economic impact it would have on the businesses that rely on outdoor advertising. He did his econometrics and found if they, these businesses weren't able to put up ads, that it would impact their revenues to, to a certain extent. Yeah, that was part of the $600 million. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, that was probably one of the biggest influencers in our focus groups. The other was specifically the impact it would have on businesses that rely heavily on outdoor advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, fast food, restaurants, motels. Basically, Missouri is, at that point, I think tourism was the number two industry in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And it was going to have, it was going to have a, an impact on tourism. And, and I think people understood that. It, it, it's funny. Everyone loves to point their finger and say billboards are bad. But let me just tell you, if you're George Donaldson, an 85-year-old chocolate maker in Lebanon, Indiana, billboards are what bring people into your shop. And that guy, every day, when I go into his shop, he gets up in the morning and he's hard at work making chocolate. And he comes out, wipes his hands, comes out and says, great, Dave, great to see me. Thanks for your billboards. They keep people coming in and keep me working. It's, it, you know, people have this idea that it's just a big, bad business. But what it does is it keeps a bunch of small businesses vibrant. Well, if your business is reliant on tourism or the traveling public, yes, there is simply no more effective way of reaching your clientele. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can put all the ads you want on TV, but a tourist... Yeah. You know, driving across the state, they're never going to see that. Really, it's true with radio as well. It's so splintered mm-hmm. that the odds of somebody hearing your ad on radio, you'd have to basically buy just about every station in, in the area. Mm-hmm. And so people did understand that. A lot of business people understood it. We sought out allies, you know, our, our big advertisers, people like the Missouri Gaming Commission. Hmm. You know, the Mm -hmm. fast food, Missouri Restaurant Association, those kind of people also chipped into our campaign. Mm -hmm. So you came up with two winning arguments. One, an economic argument, the impact on the state. The second is the impact on small businesses. How did you then translate? How did you get the word out? Did you use ads? Did you send spokesmen out? How did you actually get the word out? Actually, we utilized just about everything there is. We recruited 
a speaker's bureau from our members, the people who were really the most articulate and most intelligent. OAAA sent in a professional media trainer to work with those people. Mm-hmm. And we, we went around the state doing interviews with radio and TV stations. I think I probably did an interview or a meeting with every newspaper editor in the state. Wow. In fact, all I did, I mean, all I did for the bulk of a year was travel the state and meet with various media outlets and, and newspaper outlets to tell our side of the story. We also, with the help of the Outdoor Advertising Association of America, we were able to raise quite a bit of money. We bought, to start with, we had printing companies that were willing people like Independent Service Company that's based in Missouri, mm-hmm. people like Lamar's printing, printing outlet. They provided us with posters and vinyls that our members put on their structures around the state. We mm-hmm. had, I know at one point, we, we had at least 600 out-of-home displays on Missouri highways. I mean, you simply couldn't drive anywhere without seeing our billboards. Wow. We bought television time. We, we shot commercials that emphasized our arguments. We bought television time. We bought radio time. You simply could not help but hear our campaign. We were able to raise and spend a total of about $6 million in mm-hmm. cash and in-kind contributions. Wow. So, I mean, we, we, we certainly got our message out. I can just about tell you there was no one in Missouri that didn't hear our ads or see our ads. You know, Bill, I, in doing research for this podcast, I went back and looked at some of the editorials, and there's a whole string of editorials, newspaper editorials out there on the web where people are saying, wait a minute, this sounded like a good idea, but when it comes down to it, it's very expensive and it's going to impact local businesses. Your, your talking points really got through. Um, I have to tell you, there were only two newspapers in the state that took an edi- editorial position in favor of Prop A. We were able to convince every other newspaper in the state to come out with editorials against it. I submitted a lot of letters to the editors as well to get it in local newspapers as often as I could. Mm-hmm. So you come up with this campaign of talking points, and you're out articulating it in ads and in visits. So then what happens from there? We continue to do polling probably about every two months throughout the year. And we started seeing the numbers move. I mean, it went from 62% in favor down to 63%. And then it was, you know, 60%. And the last poll we (laughs) did was about two weeks before the election. Yeah. And we were only behind by one point. Wow. Wow. At that point, you know, I knew our ads were going to continue to run. I knew I was going to continue to do interviews. And I knew at that point we were going to win. Mm-hmm. What was election night like? It was scary. <laughs> you know, there were times that, you know, we we did really, really well in rural Missouri most of the votes for Prop A tended to be in the big metropolitan areas like Kansas City and St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as as votes would come in from different areas, what we'd be ahead and then we'd be behind. You know, we only wound up winning by 1.2%. Wow. And we didn't really know. 
you know, we didn't really know for sure we had won until about one o'clock in the morning on election night. We had a big watch party in St. Louis. Yeah. And we, we all stayed up and watched the election returns come in. And I finally, you know, I finally went to bed when I, it got to the point where I was pretty sure we, we had it won. What lessons can the out-of-home industry draw from the Missouri experience? You have to do everything right. You have to get all of your people involved. You have to get as many businesses that rely on you involved as you can. You have to get OAAA involved. I have to tell you, they have a database, as you well know, mm-hmm. of basically just about everybody that's involved in outdoor advertising in the United States. Mm-hmm. And Nancy, Nancy Fletcher sent out a, a, an appeal for help from everybody in their database. And we had donations that came in from all over the country. I mean, it's really surprising mm-hmm. when you have companies that don't, don't even own billboards in Missouri mm-hmm. and yet would write five and six figure checks. Well, and, I, and I'm sure that what they saw was if this succeeded in Missouri, it would come to their state. So they had to be proactive. You're absolutely right. And OAAA made sure people understood that that's that's what was going on and that if they were successful in Missouri they would do it everywhere i mean it, they knew we were the they thought we were the toughest state mm-hmm. and that if they could beat us here they could they could win in any state mm-hmm. has scenic done anything further since losing that election or attempted anything further in Missouri they have not tried the initiative approach they were able to raise money from some very wealthy donors. I mean, they had a couple of people backing the initiative. They were the primary money for their side. They got a bunch of money from Scenic America, mm-hmm. but they also were able to raise, I mean, I know there was one donor, wealthy donor in St. Louis that gave them half a million, for example, and another donor in Southwest Missouri that probably gave them about, about the same amount. So they were they were able to raise mm-hmm. quite a bit of money themselves. Mm-hmm. But I think we were able to ultimately raise about five times as much money as they did. And frankly, it took it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if we'd done anything wrong, we couldn't have won. If you had not have gotten the word out, the polls never would have changed. To me, getting the word out, getting your talking points out is critical. Yeah, you know, even utilizing our own media. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all of our people believe in, in out of home and it was a way for us to really reach about everybody for much less cost than if we were paying for television ads and radio ads. 600 billboards, 600 faces in a state like Missouri, like I said, you literally couldn't drive anywhere without mm-hmm. seeing our messages. Wow. Now, you have your, your background as a lawyer and also have having started in the out-of-home business going up on boards. It's a terrific background. What legal mistakes have you seen in the course of your practice? What legal mistakes are, what are some common legal mistakes that you see out-of-home companies make, not just in dealing with politics, but just common legal mistakes maybe in terms of how they run their business? I would put it in two categories. When we started the association, I think the industry was probably engaging in too much litigation. The litigation between MoDOT and the outdoor industry was really unbelievable. I know I heard at one point that MoDOT had something like 70 attorneys that were handling outdoor advertising cases. 
I felt that was a mistake. It really alienated MoDOD. It really alienated the people in their general counsel's office to the point where they hated the outdoor industry. Mm. I mean, they hated us. They saw us as the enemy. Mm-hmm. We had no presence in the legislature. Our people simply were not involved politically. And can you expand that, Bill? What does it mean for an out-of-home company to be politically involved? It means you have to know who your leg- legislators are. You have to make a trip to Jeff City every once in a while and talk to those people. You know, you have to tell them your side of the story. I mean, legislators are people Initially, they kind of had the attitude, there's nothing you can do about this. You can't fight City Hall. They came to, to realize, because we got so involved in lobbying and talking to legislators, these people became their friends. Mm-hmm. They, came, they came to realize that legislators rely on lobbyists and people involved in an industry to know things. Mm-hmm. And w- once our people found out that not only do this, did these legislators want to understand what was going on and what the facts are and what our economic impact was and things like that, but they really relied on it. They, they got the other side of the story from the anti-billboard people, but they had really never gotten our side mm-hmm. and our view. Once we got politically involved, I mean, we, we would have annual lobbying days where we bring all our people in to sit down and talk to legislators. We would do things like sponsor legislative breakfast where they all came in and we, you know, set up breakfast for them. And it gave us an opportunity to talk to these people in an informal environment. I have to tell you, this is kind of a funny story, but Mm -hmm. the first time I took a group of our people to Jeff City to lobby, I went in, they, they have these lounges next to each house of, of the legislature where you can go in and ask the sergeant at arms to tell a legislator that you're there and you'd like to talk to them. They were amazed to see that you could actually pull, you know, you could actually ask these people to come off the floor mm-hmm. and talk to you and, and they would do it. Wow. And I tell you, I practically created a monster. These people started realizing they had far, far more political clout than they ever realized. They just weren't utilizing it. I guess a lesson here also is to be proactive. You were able to put together a group when you needed to, but the point is, just because there's no issues in your state doesn't mean you shouldn't have a state association and be telling the story, because the best way to avoid the initiative or the surprise legislation is to be telling the story. Absolutely. There is nothing more important than a than a state association that's proactive, that knows their legislators when they when they pick up the phone and they call their state rep, they take those calls and they listen. And that's something that never existed before. You know, I mentioned earlier, Dave, about MoDOT. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, you know, I found that when I worked with these people and I sat down and talked to them, when I explained our problems and how we we wanted them to deal with it, mm-hmm. they they started to listen. And to the point where I can tell you MoDOT no longer considers the outdoor advertising industry to be the enemy. You know, they, they regulate us. It's their job. We respect that. We respect them. Mm-hmm. We treat them with respect. We're nice to them. And they have really reciprocated. I, I just can't emphasize enough how their attitude 
has changed toward the industry. And it makes a huge difference if you're trying to deal with them on some regulatory issue and they're and they like you and they're willing to sit down and hear what you have to say or see, you know, what language you've drafted and how you suggest they deal with a problem, they actually welcome that. Correct. And rather than seeing us, you know, rather than seeing us as an enemy now, they see us as people who are frankly quite helpful sometimes when they're dealing with problems. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Bill. Thank you. You're more than welcome. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by Adomni. Adomni, increase your revenue today by listing your digital billboard on Adomni. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.